We've got restaurant closure news and grocery stores this week. We might as well just lean into this whole being a food podcast thing at this point. Stick around for the Access Louisville podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is David Mann, and joining me today is Haley Cawthon. Hi there. Michael L. Jones. What's up? And Ellie Tobit. Hi. Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Each week we bring you the latest news and plenty of sharp opinions about what's going on here in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, we're going to start with restaurant closures, which I mentioned earlier in the tease. Uh, Michael, there was a couple of them. I guess we'll start out with the uh, the one near U of L. Uh, you walked uh, walked up to a restaurant to find a note on the door, right? Yeah, uh, Mira uh, Mediterranean Restaurant is one of my favorite lunch spots, and I was actually going there to pick up my beef swarma and okay. uh, uh, Greek salad, like I do on Thursdays when uh, I'm in the office on my way home, and it was closed. <laughs> and that is a double disappointment. It's like. Yeah. This is like, all right, so we, we like to write about closed restaurants, not because it's like a good thing that happens, but because it's news and that's what, you know, that's what we write. So, but I bet it was disappointing if you were going for food at the time uh, to to see that this restaurant is closed. Yes, and um, I had known it was going to close eventually uh, because um, – UofL is developing a hotel there, and there's going to be an urban target. But there had been a timeline, and uh, after it was announced last year, I'd asked the owner uh, about it, and he didn't know anything at the time. And then without notice, they're closed. And he had this note on the door that said it was because of the upcoming development. <laughs> hmm. and, and, you know, I guess that was interesting that they – said it was because of the development because you talk to the insomnia cookies manager next door right and uh and they said that development th- there's a while before that development actually yeah um the insomnia cookies they said that they had like a year um they were planning to move themselves but they were planning to do it next summer and also there's a laundromat next door and they told me the same thing mm-hmm. and um the uh group that's developing the project they haven't released a timeline or cost or anything but i think i guess if you're running a business and you know eventually you're going to have to leave mm-hmm. it's probably better to to go ahead and plan so i'm hoping they've reopened somewhere close to U of L or at least the south end so I yeah <laughs> for your sake i hope you can, can get the beef shawarma somewhere else um if they reopen uh insomnia didn't they say that they were looking for a new spot as well yeah yeah and i think that they want to go um be near U of L too yeah that's a good place for a place that's their whole like demographic though isn't it just uh college students that have to stay up late and just want cookies <laughs> while they're studying like that was the yeah. thing back when i was in school like getting cookies delivered um just you know to help you fuel you through your studies 
Yeah, so getting a sugar rush. Yeah. And so there's only three businesses in the whole center. And I I grew up um, like a Hill Street close by. So, I mean, I remember in China Inn, it was just like you go to China Inn and Gray's Bookstore was there. So um, the foot traffic has really uh, gone down uh, in the area since the store started closing. Yeah, um, I think uh, the the insomnia cookies, like, I can't imagine that there's a better place in town than UofL for a late night delivery cookie service. Uh, So you can see that going somewhere else. Uh, Other part of town, you uh, you were writing about uh, Hibachi Sushi. Uh, which that's over at Bardstown Road and Hurstbourne Lane. Uh, that's that's closing too, right? And that was a kind of a high rent, low foot traffic situation. Yeah, it had been closed because you know the pandemic wasn't good to buffets, uh, right. and so it reopened in December. And uh, the owner just said that the business um, just didn't justify him renewing his lease. And he's auctioning off all his equipment. He said he is thinking about reopening, but, uh, you know, he's auctioning off everything. But there is an hibachi uh, buffet still open. I think it's on Dixie Highway. Uh, And that is run by his sister-in-law. So Preston Highway. Oh, it's on Preston. Okay. Close. Um... Let's see. Anyone got a good sushi recommendation they can throw out since this one's closed? I usually go to Sapporo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a popular one. I do Sapporo or Dragon King's Daughter, but these are all Highlands ones, so I don't know of any outside the Highlands. Yeah, I was going to say Dragon King's Daughter in New Albany. They have a location in New Albany as well. So. And I don't eat sushi, so sorry for all the sushi fans. It's my best friend's favorite food, and she harps on me all the time because I never want to go to, like, a sushi bar. <laughs> I'm not super into sushi. Um, I'm just not into seafood, but, uh, you know, I think every once in a while I get, get a hankering for something like that. But um, let's see. So on a more positive note, Michael, you also had a story about a business in Norton Commons this week. Not closing, but uh, just getting some uh, yeah. new ownership. Yeah, um, I talked to this uh, guy, uh, Lane uh, Coonrod, and he had moved to Norton Commons like at the end of last year. He started going to this coffee shop, the Fix uh, Coffee House and Bakery, and he ended up buying it. And he had this vision for doing delivery. And it it was actually a pretty funny story because like living there, um and having this business like his neighbors were constantly telling him like what he should be doing with his business uh, <laughs> that's but funny. he he's an insurance executive but he just he had moved here from charlotte and he just saw the potential for delivery in that uh subdivision since uh the houses are so close to the businesses yeah Norton Commons has got to be the only neighborhood in Louisville where almost all the customers of a business have the financial wherewithal to purchase the business. <laughs> yeah, 
And they got they have their own school and uh, YMCA. Yeah. And they're connected. And, um, you know, uh, Shay, our editor and I, we had taken a tour of Norton Commons and um, the 18th Street YMCA. uh, JCPS is putting a school there and it's modeled after Norton Commons. Hmm. Like they're going to share facilities. How so is it? Uh, how is it modeled? I mean, is it going to be like just the the design well, or? Well, the um, the way it is in Norton's Commons is that the um, school can use um, the facilities at the Y, and the Y can use the classrooms in the school. Oh, okay. So that is as how it's going to be uh, at the in the West End Y. Oh, that's interesting. All right. Well, uh, we'll switch gears here. Switch from food to get out there in the world to food you cook at your house, uh, and that's uh, Ellie's uh, grocery wars story. We we've been internally calling this story grocery wars for weeks, and then we finally got to like put that out there today online uh, with the title of the story online was grocery wars. So what what's grocery wars about, Ellie? Yeah, um, it's about just the changes in our grocery market. And it's so funny. I've been saying grocery market so often, and it sounds like I'm talking about like one supermarket, but I mean, oh, yeah. you know, like the, the, the grocery market. Right. <laughs> um, but just how, you know, Louisville's been dominated by Kroger for so long. Um, and it, within the span of like three months last year, we got two pi- Publix locations and a Hy-Vee location, um, which are, chains one's midwestern one's from florida that um this is like the farthest kind of we're not north but you know northeast uh that they've really gone so um so yeah so it's just kind of about how all that's changing i talked to some uh you know regional and you know national experts and some like local like value market the the local chain here um and yeah yeah i got a good uh, sense of the market overall uh, how big was Kroger's market share? Yeah, so Kroger has 43%, um, so nearly half. Um, and then behind that's Walmart, their supermarkets, um, and they are 23%. And then after that's Meyer with 6%. So um, it's pretty obvious that Kroger has the like kind yeah. of stronghold on I mean, the, the fact that it drops from 43 to 23 to 6, like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like, you know, shows how significant their uh, share of the market is um but i love that quote that you had from the retail expert who said uh Publix, uh smells blood in the water uh explain that a little bit yeah he so that was um he's his name's david livingston and he's the principal consultant at a supermarket research firm um and he was just kind of talking about how Publix is not afraid of competition um and that's just actually kind of what they they thrive on is competition um because they're an employee-owned company and um i think they're just very like solid in their you know work practices they're known for having like great service and um great products and so um yeah so he was just talking about how Publix is you know not afraid of the competition and they're going to come in uh, they're probably going to test the water some by opening just a few stores first and seeing how it's going to go. Um, and then they'll just like slowly, bit methodically build a larger, uh, you know, market here. So, yeah. 
I, I think you did a great job on that story. I read it this morning, and I really like the sidebar, too, about why the West End is being left out of the grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that was an interesting one, too, because it's it's one of those things where um, I talked with Lyndon Pryor from the Louisville Urban League, and he was like, we don't know. Like, you know, he was like, um, this is a question that we need to be asking the larger change, which I totally agree with. Um, and I did, I, I think when I was talking to um, some of the, you know, officials at Publix, I asked if they had any considerations of going into like West Louisville, um, and they were just kind of like, we're looking for opportunities everywhere. You know, they kept it very um, That's a safe answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think your story said that there are two Kroger's in West Louisville. Is that right? I can only think of one off the top of my head. But um, when there's only two grocery stores in the area, like that should be like a white space market opportunity. And with all of this other investment happening there, like the we we just did the story on the the um, Goodwill Industries and Norton Opportunity Campus. Like they're getting a hospital. They're getting this. 120,000 square foot facility. Um, so there's like a lot of economic development happening there. And you would think people would be paying attention to that enough to know like, wow, they could really use another grocery store option. <laughs> um, just, you know, from from my point of view, but you know, I'm no, I'm no grocery store expert. Yeah, that was, especially, that was, oh, go on. Oh, that was just that was one of the things that Lyndon said, um, he was talking about how, um, when they did the Norton Sports and Learning Center, like, I mean, obviously, other than, you know, having that nice facility that's going to bring a lot of, you know, traffic and a lot of different economic opportunities there, um, it's like the potential to have more housing, more economic development, potentially get more groceries, and like it, that one purpose of that was for the larger, like, impact of it all, so. And I did a story about the nonprofit um, Russell Place of Promise um, trying to get the vacant land next to the sports and learning complex. And they're wanting to put small businesses there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there was uh, that was mentioned a, a little bit in um, in your online story, Ellie. We had to cut for print, but. Uh, uh, you talked about the uh, the effort to open a co- uh, the what was it the Louisville Grocery uh, Co-op, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, but that's in small town. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, there uh, there is an opportunity there, especially you think um, if if people aren't happy with Kroger, it, it seems like one of these major players could swoop in and and definitely just like capitalize on that like unhappiness with the market and there has been you know some criticism of kroger there so um so yeah definitely all uh all worth considering let me just ask you guys this um how can grocery shopping be improved i think that customer service is a big issue for a lot of people i hear people talk about shelves being stocked i know that's relates to the employee shortage getting stuff out but um Haley, I'll go to you on that. What What do you think needs to improve in the world of grocery shopping? Um, I think first and foremost, like the shortages that we're experiencing. I, I know, um, for example, the formula shortage um, has been a big issue, and that all happened because one uh, manufacturer had 
some kind of recall and like had to start from scratch and like there was weeks and months of delay like if we could figure figure out a better food system like i think that's probably priority number one <laughs> is addressing those issues but um as a consumer my i've been doing a lot of grocery order pickup like click list or walmart pickup just because like it's crowded i don't necessarily want to like spend an hour shopping for myself um and this is something that's just happened during the pandemic i guess because i used to love you know wandering around and picking up new items that i haven't tried but like the in-store shopping experience has become too much for me <laughs> like i don't want to i don't want to buy 50 grocery items self-checkout myself and then load it into the car myself call me lazy like that's not a fun way to spend my Saturday afternoon. So I think any way that they can remove like the friction of having to like either wait in line or bag all of your groceries yourself and like do all of everything yourself. Like I think what Amazon had tried with like where you can like walk in, put the items in the cart and the cart is like ringing up your total. Like those, I don't know if you all have seen those videos, but like they're literally putting items in their cart and like it's tallying up their total yeah. um, as they're shopping. Like that would be really cool, I think. And that way, if like you have a budget and you put something in there that like you're like, oh, wait, I don't want to pay $10.99 for this. And like you can just put it back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, th I thought that was a pretty cool thing. Um, and I know it would take a lot of dollars for regular stores to do it, but those would probably be my priorities or my interest as a consumer it's funny because i've gone the exact opposite direction over the pandemic i used to before the pandemic even started use the click list and pickup services but as the employee shortage has gotten worse like that service has gotten worse and like you know i've had situations where i went to kroger and there were no parking spots in the click list areas because too many people ordered click list and there weren't enough workers getting it out. And then I had to like circle around the parking lot or like hunt for a space to get to get one of the click list spaces. And there were other people doing it. And it got ugly. And uh, and like after that, I was like, you know what? Having someone bring me my groceries might be a little opulent at this time in history. So I started like going back to going into the store um, because I just it would like I was getting such a bad experience out of ClickList. I was like, this isn't working for me. I got to go back in the store. But um, and and I felt like when I first started going back, like I liked it more than I used to. Like being away from it for three years or something, like before the pandemic and then like the very early pandemic. Uh, maybe I didn't hate it as much after that because I was like, I don't have to wait on somebody to bring me my groceries or pick bad fruit. I'm gonna like pick the fruit myself. Uh, but I don't know. That's that's just an alternative viewpoint. Uh, Ellie, Michael, you got anything on this one? Well, I think ca uh, staffing and customer service. Uh, are uh, things that um, are big problems because I hate when I go shopping and there's two lanes open <laughs> and there's a oh, huge yeah. line for the self-serve. And um, I, I find myself going to smaller places like Lots of Pasta or Harvey's Cheese Shop where I actually know the people and they know what I like. Mm -hmm. you know, they can recommend um, things to me. And it's quicker. 
Yeah, I feel like I'm one of those um, weird people that I don't know if this is weird, but I love grocery shopping. Like, I feel like I'll like set all the time for grocery shopping and I'm like, this is my meditation. Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to buy, I'm going to watch the vegetables in their little like shower and I'm going to like buy, <laughs> you know, things that are I'm probably not going to eat because they're going to go bad in a week, but I'm going to pretend like I will. Um, but so I don't really know how they could be improved. My one thing that my mom does, um, she is somebody who doesn't like grocery shopping, so she does the click list. But this could be because of employee shortages, or I don't know what this is from, but just a, or just product shortages. Um, just having things like constantly switched out or getting, you know, like the the fruit that has the bruises in it and things like that. So she'll do her like grocery shopping of the like bread and things, like uh, the crackers and the the stuff that's not produce, I guess. Um, through the click list and then she'll do her like produce shopping and things at like Trader Joe's so she can like romanticize her life a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I feel like that is a good system, but it, that's like one that she had to create as a consumer. It's not really. I was gonna say, I love the picture that Ellie painted. She's like the vet, the little vegetables getting their shower. Like that's your <laughs> self care. <laughs> but... It is, that's my self care. <laughs> Ellie, I like that you said it can, it can in no way be improved. It's just great. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good stuff. Uh, all right. Well, we'll move on from there. I guess that's our show this week. Um, before we go, we'll go around the uh, room here and you guys can share your social media handles where people can find you on social uh, to talk about groceries and whatnot. Uh, Haley, I'll start with you on this. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Haley Cawthon, or on Twitter at Haley. Haley, how about you? You can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Eleanor Tilbert, or on Twitter under BFLU Eleanor. And Michael? I am on Facebook and LinkedIn under my name, Michael L. Jones, and I'm at uh, Twitter um, at BFLU Michael. All right. And you can find me under my real name on LinkedIn, David A. Mann, and you can find me on Twitter under my fake name, DMAN3001. Uh, you can find this podcast on popular podcast services such as Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and Radio Public. Thank you very much, Michael, Ellie, and Haley. Thank you guys for listening to us at home, and we'll see you next time. Bye.